We, uh, we got, uh, we've been in a 21 days of transformation, and hopefully you're, uh, <laughs> and uh, it is exciting, honestly. We're two weeks in, we got one week to go, so hopefully you're tracking. How, just by show of hands, no condemnation, just, just show of hands. How many is kind of doing some part of this transformation process with us? Just wave so we can look around and, and just see you. All right, great. This 21 days of transformation, basically we're fasting, we've been fasting for 21 days, a Daniel's uh, type fast, some have been on total fast, some Daniel's fast, fruit and vegetables, and then uh, of course we've been fasting uh, negative emotions with meditation and negative words by speaking God's word, and so uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, it's not too late, hey, jump in the last week and we'll finish strong together, and so we encourage you, it's not too late, you can go on the app, you can get, get everything that you need there. Uh, this week, some of us are going to try to finish strong. We're probably going to take a, at least a day or two or three and maybe just do a total fast. If you want to jump on board with that, no, no pressure. But we're just, we're just wanting to finish this thing strong because we do believe there's a tipping point here. And uh, we do believe that God's doing something. Now, granted, our fasting doesn't cause God to do anything. Our fasting just yields us to what God's already doing. That's, that's what this thing's about. And so... Uh, hopefully you've been a part of this, and uh, if you didn't get the uh, first message on uh, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind, you can uh, watch that online. We have that for you. I taught that at, at my office here because we didn't have a chance to preach two weeks ago. The Lord just showed up and moved in a powerful way, which we really appreciate. And then uh, Chuck Pierce had a lot of great prophetic uh, words. Uh, somebody told me, they said, I love Chuck Pierce. I just wish I understood what he said, right? And because uh, he's very prophetic, right? I mean, you have to, you just, you know, it, it's kind of like with, with Chuck, it's not taught, it's caught. And so he'll be saying all kinds of stuff, and all of a sudden something will just jump out at you. And so what we'll do to try to help you gain some wisdom in it is we're putting together kind of the highlights or the nuggets that we felt like were important to us, and we'll put those out to you this week as an, in an email. So if you're not on the email list, you can sign up today, you can uh, go on the app, or you can fill out a, a connection card in the seat back in front of you, and we'll make sure that you get on that before, uh, before we uh, send it out this week so you can be well-informed what, we, well what we believe is happening prophetically. Let's do our given, given declaration before I jump here too fast. We'll put it up here, and we'll read it out loud together. One, two, three. We give out of love and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. By our giving, we have taken a step into an abundant place of His supply. Therefore, we declare and decree the promise of double portion provision is released over this place, people, and region. To God be the glory and praise forevermore. Amen. I receive that, don't you? I don't know if you were here. How many were here last week? Man, when we gave first fruits offering and Chuck stepped over into them baskets, the fire of God hit this platform. And I know something was squeezed out during that moment. I'm going to tell you, you could feel the Holy Spirit really moving. So I know the Lord is blessing our giving as we're moving in 2019. And we believe the Holy Spirit to do something very, very significant. For the remaining time we have left today, I got a word up in here. And I'm trying to get it up that here. You know, sometimes I just have like a teaching or message, but this is, a, this is something I'm trying to put together on the inside and kind of get it on the outside. So you're going to have to pray for me today. We kind of get it, I can get it up and out to you. I, I know what I'm going to say, right? Something my buddy, uh, 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 what was his name that used to come? Uh, Ramey's dad? Ray Hughes used to say, I, I, I'm like a mosquito in a nudist colony. <laughs> I know what I'm here to do. I just don't know where to get started. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, <laughs> that's, that's the way I kind of feel trying to, trying to get, uh, get going here. So we just say, Holy Spirit, just help us today. Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down, oh, comforter and friend, how we need your touch again. Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. Let your power fall, let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word. Open up heaven, open it wide over our church and over our lives. Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. Let your power fall, let your voice be heard. Come and change our lives as we stand on your word. Holy Spirit, rain down. Amen. Amen. Glory. There's a scripture I was, I've been, I've never wrestled with a text like I've wrestled with this one. I've wrestled this text. I wrestled that text down. <laughs> and uh, trying to grab a hold of what God was saying. It's taken me days, days, honestly, of wrestling. It's, I've, it's been one scripture jumped in my spirit about four weeks ago. I've been wrestling that thing. And I felt like, what's the guy named? Wrestle with God. And he, Jacob, that's the guy. And... Uh, I'll just go ahead and jump in it with you, and we'll see where we get. It'll all work out. Second, if not, we'll get Jeremy back up. We'll sing, and we'll go on about the road, right? And get him and Davey back up, and we'll be done. Go home and eat a carrot. Second Corinthians 3.18. Have pour a glass of water and say, Jesus, do it again. No, anyway. But, uh, <laughs> Second, Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You and I, seeing the unveiled glory of God in the face of Christ, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. People ask me all the time, Kent, what's, what's my purpose? Your calling is one thing, but your purpose is all. Our purpose, all of our purpose is the same. 
Our purpose is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's all of our purpose. So touch three or four people and say, that's God's purpose for you, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, here's where it's going to start getting interesting. From glory to glory, it says, and, it, and, and as I've wrestled with this, I've come to this conclusion, this is not what most of us believe it is. This is not saying that you and I are transformed gradually from one of God's glories to the other of God's glories or from one thing to another thing. Some would call that sanctification. In reality, what it's talking about is we are being transformed from an inferior glory to a superior glory. And it's instantaneous when you see it. Look at your neighbor and go. Not from glory to glory. Not little bit by little bit being changed into something else. But actually it means from an old glory to a new or better glory. <laughs> she said, come on now, make it plain. Sister, I'm trying with all my heart to make this plain. This passage describes these glories to us in this way. The two glories could be old glory, new glory, or flesh, spirit. This passage describes it this way. The veiled, fading glory represented by Moses, or the unveiled, unfading glory of God mirrored in the face of Christ. These are the two glories. Now, second, second Corinthians, set, uh, first chapter three, seven through fourteen. Let's pull it up. Calls separates these glories for us. It says, "But if the ministry of death." written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look into the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Then how much uh, more, or how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So right off the get-go, Paul is saying these two glories, one's a ministry of death, one's a ministry of the Spirit. One is on stone, death. The other is on hearts, living. One is the outside trying to get better to make the inside right. The other one is on the inside producing what's on the outside. Goes on to say it again. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory then the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even that was glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. 
For what? For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have great boldness of speech, we speak like this. Unlike Moses, who had to put a veil on his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. So Paul is trying to talk to the Corinthians. And by the way, the Corinthians are the most gifted church, but they're also the most carnal church. So there's all kind of a, a adultery and sleeping around and drinking and partying. They're a wild bunch. And you would think he would come hammering them with this legalism of the law, but Paul comes no said, if you want to be transformed, you've got to get a revelation of a whole better glory than what you've been living in under the law. I'm afraid the majority of the church has been living in a mixture of old and new glory instead of being transformed into the new glory. So it's not being transformed little by little. It's actually once your eyes are open or you turn to the Lord, it says the veil is taken away. And then you see as in a mirror the glory of God. And you are changed. Now there's a practical application that Paul the Apostle takes us to in Romans chapter 7. Y'all are probably familiar with this. Look at it real quick with me. Here's what Paul starts out talking, talking like. He says, Paul wants to, Paul's explaining these two concepts right here in Romans 7 Romans 8. Right? In Romans 7 and Romans 8, these, these basically in Romans 7 and 8, the ministry of Moses reveals the law of sin and death, and the ministry of Jesus reveals the law of righteousness and grace, or life. Paul says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I don't find. For the good that I will do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that's what I actually practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, I'm continually being trapped by the evil that's present with me. Next slide. For I delight in the law of God according to my inward man. But I see another law working in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin in my members. Is this ringing true with anybody here? In other words, I want to do right. But every time I start to try to do right, I find I'm in a war with something that doesn't want me to do right. When I try to get free, I feel like something comes against me to try to stop my freedom. When I want to say the right thing, I feel like something else starts warring against me to make me want to say the wrong thing. When I want to live a righteous life, all of a sudden, I start, something starts rising up in me to, to, to try to take me to the other. When I start going toward light, something starts trying to push me back. 
Oh, wretched man, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So Paul comes and preaches. He said, here's what the law does. The law came to introduce me to sin. Because I didn't even know anything about sin until somebody said don't covet and then everything in me wanted to covet. I never knew anything about law until somebody said don't lust then everything in me wanted to lust because I didn't know it was operating until you told me not to do it. I just thought it was the way I was supposed to live until you told me not to do it this way. Now I realize there's something working in me or around me that's keeping me from doing Because on the inside, I do have a desire to do the will of God, but I can't find the power to fulfill that. Who will deliver me from this I want to do but can't do situation? Thank God Jesus Christ will do this. Now understand in, in the Bible, there's no chapter, the original text, there's no chapter, so this isn't a new story. He goes right in the next words in Romans 8 and says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh or the old gl- But according, according, see, we think that means flesh like, I no, that means that old way. But according to the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do. For what the law could not do. I'll be back. For what the law could not do. See, everybody wants to go back to the law. But the law is the ministry of death. It has no power. It was only here to reveal the inability to do it. There is no power in it. It just reveals the inability to keep it. Because nobody in here has kept all ten. You may have kept nine, but you didn't keep ten. Touch your neighbor and say, he's preaching right to you now, brothers and sisters. And Paul said, if you keep nine but miss one, you're trapped by all of them. No way out. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. I said God did it. By sending his own son. In the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let me see if I can help us. I hope. Byron, help me a minute, will you? Where's, where's Davey? Is he around? Um, 
see how I want to do this. I got to take you back to Adam and Eve just for a minute. <laughs> Byron said, then I'm Adam. I'm not being Eve. So, <laughs> not that these are Adam and Eve. It says Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. But they didn't know that. And the enemy deceived them and said, if you eat this tree, you'll be like God. But they already were like God. That's the deception. And so they wore the glory of God. Let's say Byron is the glory of God. They wore the glory of God. I believe, personally, this isn't doctrine, so this isn't a doctrine issue. I believe they wore Jesus. Because he is the express image of God. So when the glory covered Adam and Eve, who was that? That was the presence of Jesus. So what happened was, the enemy deceived them, and they gave away the glory and, and they put on flesh it says God actually killed an animal and put it on their to cover them so they took death sit on just a second Brian we'll get you back up in this minute so they took death now Here's where it gets really interesting. It says death reigned. Got to catch this point. Their spirit was never contaminated. They were not sinners. They took on the body of sin and death. Which is... Trying to do it in your own strength. Psychologists would call this ego. They put ego on. E-G-O. Edging God out. They said we don't need God. We'll just do this by ourselves. And that put them in a cycle of sin and death. Now here's what's interesting. So here's Paul the Apostle. Just read it to you. What I want to do, me really, the desire, the inward man, the spirit, I can't do. Why? I'm carrying around this body of sin and death. And every time I start to try to do right, I find something warring against me. It's not I that do it, but something that's warring against my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now, here's what you don't know. In that culture, if you were a criminal and you were, and you were sentenced to die, they would chain you to a corpse that was dead. And you had to carry... This corpse, everywhere you went. Wow. 
And over time, the death in this corpse would begin to eat into you. And you'd have to carry this body of death until it actually killed you. Sometimes it took forever. Everywhere you go to eat, you lay down at night, you get up in the morning, you're chained to a body of death. If you want to do good, you can't do good. You're dragging around a body of death. Oh, wretched man that I am. Not that I am. I'm wretched not because who I am. I'm wretched because of what I'm carrying around with me. The law of sin and death. No matter how hard I try. No matter how much I pray. No matter how much I seek for deliverance. I can't get free because I'm chained to a body of death that I can't get free of. Adam put me on it. Put him on me. I didn't put him on me. Adam put him on me. And I've been carrying him around. Who shall deliver me from this wretched body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. For in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. For those who follow not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because what the law could not do, God did. For the Spirit of the life of Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of... For Wait a minute. For what the law could not do, God did. By sending His own Son in likeness of sinful flesh. Oh, you got to catch this. So here we all humans are carrying sin and death, working in us. A corpse. We want to do what right, and the lie of the enemy is it's you. It ain't you. You were never created for sin and death. You are not evil. You are not a sinner. You are not away from God. In your spirit, you have never been contaminated, but you have been carrying around the body of sin and death. Therefore, what's actually inside of you can't get out of you because you're carrying around sin and death with you. Believe me, a drug addict's not an evil person. They're just carrying around an old wretched death sentence that's been given to them by Adam and they can't get free from it. That's why as soon as they find out who they are and what their identity is, something starts changing on the inside. One of these days you wake up and you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on here? And our eyes are open. Because Jesus laid aside His glory. Listen to me. And came and took on a body. 
of sin and death. Jesus came in likeness of sin and flesh. And Jesus came in a human death trap that had kept humanity in bondage. Jesus came and took that on him. Watch, watch. And for 33 years, Jesus carried the death trap that was trying to eat into his body, but it couldn't get to him. Why? Greater is he on the inside. You better get back on him. Jesus came to show you greater is he that's on the inside than he that's in the world. And he took this man, this death trap, all the way to the cross. He fought every temptation you'll ever face. Yet without sin. Every power of death that he could throw at Jesus, they threw at him and he couldn't get him. He carried him. And through the anointing by the Holy Spirit overcame death, hell, and the grave. He didn't die for you. He died as you. He didn't die for your sin. He died as your sin. And he took this death trap of a body and his spirit so mighty that he carried death and disease and destruction, and addiction, and divorce, and depression, and anxiety, and fear, and trauma, and disappointment, and eternal damnation, and carried it around 33 years and said, I'm so bad, I'll keep ministering under the anointing even while you're hanging on my back. He didn't come to show you how to become somebody else. He actually came and showed you who you actually are. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Right? Took him all the way to the cross in the flesh and destroyed the death trap once and for all and put the death trap away to never be seen again come on somebody come back Davy.
shall deliver me from this body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ. How many of you know I'm not delivered? Sit down a minute. I'm not delivered from this bit by bit. God don't, God don't cut off his hand, then his foot. He don't get lighter. He's dead. And if any part of him stays on me, it's going to kill me. So now, all of a sudden, I walk into Word of Life. And I got this spirit of death, sin and death working on me. I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. I'm not evil. I'm a child of God. God put His breath in me. Yet, I'm carrying around a body of sin and death that I don't realize has already been broken. And all of a sudden, I get up under anointing like we're here today and I say, wait a minute. What in the world am I doing carrying around this body of sin and death. And all of a sudden, this old country boy named Kent gets up. He gives you the answer. He said, put off the old man. Davey, let go of me. I'm not going to hurt you. Put off the old man. And put on the new man. Now this man, he ain't dead. He's life. And once he gets on me, all the life-giving power of the Spirit of God begins to pour into my body. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens my mortal body. Come on, somebody. people a high five say I'm about to put something off and put something on that's instant transformation not gradual check this out For this corruptible, we always thought this was, we preach this at funerals. This ain't a funeral message. This is a right now message. This corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. I'm not just a mortal man, and neither are you. When I put on Christ, I put on immortality. One of these days, this flesh will go down, but what's on the inside is going to be standing straight up. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal 
has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass this saying. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who has given me the victory through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Ephesians 4, 22. Put off concerning your former conduct, that old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on a new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says, Put off the old man and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. You say, Kent, how do we do that? How do we put off the old man and put on Jesus? Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Most people aren't walking in their true identity because they weren't baptized right. You didn't have a, you didn't have a clue of what was going on at baptism. You thought you were joining a church. Church ain't got no power to transform you. You thought you was being baptized into First Central United Baptist Pentecostal Methodist Holiness Church of Christ thing. And ain't got no power in it. When you were baptized, it says in Romans 6, it's the old man is identifying and goes under. That old man you were carrying, you leave that dead man in the water. And when you come up, you've got a new man. Now, I got an iPad and a MyPad. And MyPad. Because some of you are, are, are... I won't answer this question for you. Because some of you have been baptized and you ain't changed. So what's the gradual part of it? We cannot become more than what we already are. You can't become more than what you already are in Christ. We do not grow more complete. We simply grow in the knowledge of our completeness. You got to get this. We don't grow more complete. You are already complete. We are complete in Him. In Him we move and live and have our being. You don't grow more complete day by day, you actually grow in the knowledge of your completeness. That's why it says every time you hear a word like this, you actually see as in a mirror. And you remember actually who you were designed to be.
We're not changed from one degree of glory to another or step by step. How long does it take the beautiful swan to awaken to the truth of its design? The ugly duckling was an illusion. Y'all remember the story? A swan was birthed by a mama duck. Or she sat on the egg and it, and it hatched. And a swan's walking around with all these ducks. And he sees himself as a duck, even though he's not comfortable acting like a duck. But all he knows is ducks. See, a lot of you, you're a child of God, but you're born around a lot of people who aren't acting like children of God. And you're walking around and you're not really comfortable, but you're just trying to act like them. But in reality, that's not your creative design. That's why sin never keeps you happy long term, because you weren't created for that. So all of a sudden, on a winter day, the swan gets caught in a pond and can't go back with the ducks. And a farmer saves him, takes him home, and keeps him home apart from the ducks until springtime. And brings the swan back and looks in the pond and he sees his reflection. And he knows what he was created to be. And steps into it. The beauty of that swan. That's exactly what this kind of revelation is like. Whatever it was that endorsed the ugly duckling mindset. Co-died with Christ. In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God did not redeem a compromised replica of you. He rescued the original blueprint. Created you in his radiant mirror likeness. Any other self you're trying to find or esteem will disappoint you. Reckon your do-it-yourself law of work self dead and you're redeemed, co-raised, co-seated together with Christ as alive. This is true freedom in Christ. Today, I believe the Lord's going to take some veils off some people's eyes. A lot of us have been living under a self-condemning guilt-ridden, shame-based religion. That has kept us trapped carrying around a body of sin and death. When all along Jesus has paid for us to have freedom. And it's as simple as putting off the old man and put on the new man. And then you'll begin to grow in the knowledge of actually who you are in Him. You see, why is this important? Because God wants to use us as transformational, transformational agents. But most of us are stuck in church in the process of transformation. And we're not transforming anybody else because we don't feel like we've gotten near transformation. But in reality, it's instantaneous. If that veil could come off your eyes today and you recognize and realize it's not you, but it's that body of sin and death that Adam gave you and Christ came and took that off and you put that old man off and you put that new man on 
I promise you, you'll begin to walk in newness of life. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this world, or this age, has blinded the eyes or minds of people, lest they should see the light of the glory of gospel, of the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Is that like an Indian Cherokee dance we're about to do? Or? <laughs> I I don't know where we found up. I'm standing here, I'm like, hey, go Braves. I didn't know what we was about to do here. Like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> well, let's give a call out to the Indian tribes. Among us. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of just drew me back in there like that. <laughs> I love, Jeremy loves the Indian tribes. So do I. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Whew. Holy Ghost. The spirit of the law of the life of Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We are no more bound to live under that old law, that old glory. God's calling us to the new, superior glory, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not written on stones, written on our hearts. Living epistles. Walking around God people. Not an old, systematic, sacrificial religion that we have to keep sacrificing to stay free. I was praying about recovery recently, and I read a scripture in John 15. Everybody's talking about, I got to get clean. John 15 says, you're already clean because of the word I spoke to you. And you just grow in the completeness of your cleanness, and then all of a sudden, you don't want that anymore. It's a lie. We're, we're living under lies that dope or sex or sin or anger or lust or any of these things has the power to hold you Romans 6 says sin shall no longer have dominion over us because we're not under the law we're under grace that doesn't mean that you won't be tempted by it it just means you've got the power not to do it and that power is not you doing it it's a power that's on the inside of you that's bringing about this life that God wants you to live that's this spirit life would you stand up with me just for a minute? Glory, 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 glory. 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 Holy Ghost. <laughs>